All right, Rob, let me know when you're ready. Uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, my headphones are now being screwy again, but I'm okay. I'm going to punch you. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's a second pair of headphones. Wow, that's really... Be careful, guys. <laughs> This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Flurry, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, my name is Rob Minot. Uh, joining me today, as always, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Hey there. Mr. Steve Barkley. I'm the cowbell. Mr. Cowbell. Here we are. Yeah. Lovely. Together again. It's, uh, well, as of recording, it's a gorgeous day in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. The rest of the country is in a deep freeze. huddled up <laughs> behind their parkas. What did they say it was? Blocking the wind. In, uh, with minus 20? It, it's ridiculous. Well, there's a minus 50 what? somewhere. It was minus 51 last night, I think, on the East Coast somewhere. Yeah. The, for, the, for the people who are sitting in the middle of the polar vortex right now that's yeah. come down from the north, it's actually colder there than it is in Antarctica right now. Yeah. It's what? Crazy. Yeah. Really? Now, mind you, it's summer in Antarctica, but still. <laughs> wow, it's freaking yeah. cold. Is that and that's is that all along the eastern? Is that along the eastern oh, yeah, seaboard the, or like everywhere from you know around Ontario, Manitoba? I mean, it's a huge, huge area all all the way down south. Well, even Saskatchewan, the, of the United States, even Regina was like minus thirty yesterday. Yeah, it's crazy. Know, so, man, I wonder what it's like in Winnipeg. Hey Google, what's the temperature in Winnipeg? The temperature in Winnipeg right now is minus 33 degrees Celsius. There you go. There is currently an extreme cold warning in effect. Minus 33. Jeez, <laughs> minus 33. I'm trying to remember what that was like. It's cold. <laughs> that's that's like up there where you, you can't walk across the street without like Your nose freezing. risking frostbite. <laughs> Oof. It's Man. chilly. And that's that's Celsius, guys. So yeah. What's that in Fahrenheit? Hey, Google. What's minus 33 Celsius in Fahrenheit? Minus 33 degrees Celsius equal minus 27.4 degrees Fahrenheit. That doesn't sound correct. No, no, that's that's correct because once you get down that cold, it's pretty similar. Yeah, like really? 32 yeah. degrees Celsius is zero, I think. Oof. Fahrenheit, so. Oof. Man, yeah, 30, brutal. Fahrenheit. Is it right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sorry, backwards. All right. Well, that's your weather report from, <laughs> really, from AT back, back to the point. It's freaking cold. Yep. Anything going on? Anything interesting going on that you want to talk about? Oh, interesting going on that I want to talk about. Uh, there was something in the news this morning. What the hell was that? I watched Fire on Netflix on the weekend. Oh, did you? Yeah, and how did you like it? <laughs> Funny, it pretty right? Pretty good. Yeah. Did, was, it reminded you of a couple a, a things. certain somebody, yeah. Sorry, Fire? Yeah, it's about the Fire Festival. The fire Festival. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, you should watch so. it, Steve. Yeah. yeah. The, the guy that was running it, yeah, you'll... you'll It'll ring some bells. Yeah, it'll definitely <laughs> ring some bells. Either that or just make you... like. Yeah, you actually, sweats. you probably don't want to watch it, Steve. <laughs> You're going to have PTSD. 
<laughs> entirely possible. But I wish oh, I here. had this guy's brains because he was brilliant. <laughs> uh, I don't. Well, I don't know. I, I found the article that uh, okay. I was looking okay. at this Okay, so morning. let's talk about that. Okay, so uh, BBC News uh, today published a, an article called uh, People Think You Can't Be Blind and Use a Phone. And this all, uh, this all stemmed from somebody uh, trying to out somebody on social media. Um, they, they took a picture of them on the street with their white cane holding a phone, and they're holding the phone up, you know, as if they can see it. Um, so the person concluded from this that the person was faking their blindness and oh, splashed gosh. it around on social media. Oh, how outrageous is this? Never considering for a moment the fact that there's accessibility features built into these phones mm -hmm. and that not everybody who carries a white cane is completely blind or, right. or any of that. So basically a little little British tempest in a teapot going on. <laughs> You know, that does bring up a, you know, a, a big issue. I mean, and I was thinking about that uh, earlier that, you know, there's all kind people really don't realize there are, are total gradients in terms of visual impairments. Mm -hmm. um, the public just is not educated in a lot of ways. No, it's, it's surprising. And uh, that's a, a great reason to have somebody on from uh, maybe an agency like uh, perhaps... Uh, CCB to talk about education efforts around uh, white canes and uh, blindness. I'm impressed. You guys are like the kings of segues today. I'm really impressed. We're, this is really, I feel like this podcast is really coming together after 138 <laughs> episodes. Yeah, we're, uh, we're starting to figure it out slowly. Yeah. You people, ladies and gentlemen, you're really getting bang for your buck today. We are, we are on top of the game today. Oh, yeah. And we're not even journalists today. <laughs> oh, we're journalists. Are oh, we? we're journalists. Uh, well, uh, on that note, Steve, or no, on that note, Ryan, mm. what are we doing today? Today we are talking with Louise Gillis, who is the president of the Canadian Council of the Blind. What a great idea. That is I a great idea. So. Yeah. Uh, she's going to talk to us all about White Cane Week. Nice. Which starts uh, February 3rd, I believe. And runs through February 10th. <laughs> We'd better ask her. I think it's the 9th. But... <laughs> I had to do some quick math. That's That was the delay. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't that I didn't know. I just had to be like 3 plus 7 equals. <laughs> yeah, I think it's actually the 2nd because it starts on Saturday, right? Is that Saturday the 2nd? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is it the 2nd? 2nd to 9th. Oh, I, I already f***ed this up. Damn it. We were doing so well, too. We were. Yeah, well. Quick, let's segue into Louise. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We have to do some news. We're doing news. News. So first of all, we've got a news article from therecord.com um, about bus riders with disabilities who are getting left behind because uh, the reserved spaces that, that normally uh, are, exist on the bus for things like wheelchairs, uh, a lot of times apparently... Um, there are mothers with strollers or people in those spaces, uh, that won't give those spaces up and the buses are going right by people who, with wheelchairs who are, are waiting for the bus. I think that's a perfectly good argument for ejector seats. <laughs> well, you know, it, what, what it does is it brings up a, a good point in that you can have these reserved spaces, but there, if there's no enforcement behind it. Uh, it really does you really no good to have those spaces. Well, let me ask you, Rob, who's some, who, you know, rides the bus frequently are these spaces even designated 
as for people for disabilities. For sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, no, absolutely. Know, they right, they so. have they have and, and again this is a this is an article from from Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know I can only Wa- speak Waterloo to, region. Waterloo. Um, so I can only really speak t- to what I've seen here. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean there there are spaces in the bus that that are specifically reserved for wheelchairs. And there's signs and stuff that say. And there are signs. Okay. Yep. Um, and from my I have never seen uh, a. A bus driver go past somebody with with a wheelchair, and you know w- while there are people just like mothers or something in with strollers that mm-hmm. are in those reserved spaces. Generally, what happens? They'll stop, and he'll just turn around and be like, you know, wheelchair coming on, and and people will move out of those spaces right. for it. Now, if the bus is is crammed enough, it obviously it is super full of people, and you know there are a bunch of people occupying that space. And there's literally nowhere for them to go. Right. Then that might be a different, a different like story. I've never. Issue I, I don't. I can't see a bus driver actually telling people that they're going to have to get off the bus because. Right. There's there's no room. There's always space. They can snuggle. Sure. Sit on somebody's lap. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I myself have never in all the all the years that I've ridden a bus here, uh, I've never seen this happen. Um, but apparently, it is an issue. Um, obviously here in uh, in the Waterloo region because people are, are really uh, taking umbrage with it. Um, and I think the point that it raises is that uh, there needs to be some enforcement behind these. You know, the, the, the article quotes a informal poll of 71 local wheelchair users that have all said that at least once they have been left behind um, due to the bus driver not enforcing the, wow. you know, the, that reserved spot. That would be a problem. Uh, so I would be interested, I, you know, it'd be interesting to, to hear if it, if it happens out here as well, if it's a problem that, that happens, you know, across all, uh, transit areas. Um, because, you know, obviously it needs 71 is way too many, yeah. you know, if, if out of 71, almost everybody said that this happened, you know, at least once that's, that's too many. It should be a no brainer. It should be like, uh, you know, um, wheelchair parking spots, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it should be somebody parks there and they don't have a tag. Yeah. Toad should be just a hundred percent across the board. Same thing with here. Um, you know, and I think that a lot of times people rely on, you know, the kindness of strangers or that people will do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Clearly it's not the case. And then they meet the dick. Yep. <laughs> Well, so what's, I don't know, what's the solution then? Well, I don't know, you know, enforcement would be nice, education would be nice, but, you know, can we expect a bus driver who's typically, I think, you know, behind their little enclosures to get out of the bus, you know. But they don't past, have enclosures. Aren't they behind like a screened well, in area? In some places they do. Some oh, places is that they right? Do, yeah. Oh, okay. So they'd have to get out, you know, approach the, the, the customer, ask them to move. If they don't move, what are they going to do? One suggestion would be that the, the, the bus driver just refuses to move. He's just going to let the bus sit there until yeah, he, that person gets can't. off. He's got and, schedules and he can't do well, that. But, well, but they could. They could. I mean, eventually the people on the bus are going to pressure that person to yeah, you're right. get off the bus. Well, here, here's the, the thing they pointed out in the article. Uh, according to the Ontario, Ontarians with Disabilities Act, the bus company is compliant with the act by virtue of simply having the spaces, right. the designated spaces on the bus. There is no enforcement protocol to get in that act. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
clearly that's something that's missing. Like you, you should you should be able to levy a fine on somebody who's refusing to to budge. Sure, I agree. Um, I, I mean, I you know, obviously there are there are ticketing. You know, every transit system has some some sort of a ticketing you know penalty yeah. for for non-payment. There should be a ticketing penalty for non-compliance to things like just like this absolutely and and you know all the bus driver would have to do at that point would be to call somebody from the transit police and, yep and have them meet them down the road and you know, right yeah yeah exactly yeah. It, w- it wouldn't be hard point point at them and say that one <laughs> yep <laughs> i went you listen i got i went over one stop over my zone going to work one morning and i got a ticket so they love giving out tickets. Trust me. <laughs> so let's put that enthusiasm it's, it's to work. Easy, yeah, exactly. It's, this is this is an easy fix. So this shouldn't be happening. So I, I hopefully, hopefully this article you know spawns a bigger conversation and we can they can fix this in this area. But I I would be interested to to hear what it's like uh, around here in our transit system and see if it's a problem as well. Okay, our our next story is about music. Bum 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 bum. Uh, this is actually a really, really cool idea. This is again, one of these things where it's just like, wow, we, someone should have thought of this a while ago. Yeah. It's, it's a problem that, you know, unless you were, uh, you know, musically inclined and, and wanted to take part in a band and visually impaired, you wouldn't necessarily even think about this. Sure. But, um, but blind people can't follow the conductor. So these guys have gone out and they've created what they call the magic baton, or maybe that's just what the, uh, the article's calling it, but, uh, it's a, it's a baton that senses the conductor's movement and, uh, translates it into vibrations on two leg straps on the musician who's playing so that they can follow along with the, uh, conductor's movements of the baton. Right. So they'd feel little, literally feel the beat. Exactly. Exactly. So if the conductor wants them to pick it up a little bit, they'll feel the increasing frequency of the vibrations on their legs and they'll know to, to, you know, pick up the pace and carry on. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's, you know, again, it's been developed by independently with a, by a father and son team, I guess, I guess they're inventors. Yeah. Uh, incredible. It, it looks really incredible. Yeah. And, you know, like you say, it's, a, it, it seems like such a simple adaptation and yet, here we are, you know, 2019, 2019 and somebody's just figured it out. So, you know, yeah, it could be a game changer really for, for uh, blind musicians. Oh, um, sure. Good. In, in terms of, cause that's, you know, the piece talks about that, how it's, there are so many incredible, uh, blind musicians out there or visually impaired musicians out there, um, that, you know, can't play in ensembles because of that reason. Yeah. I wonder what the price point on that would be. Well, uh, I mean, it's, it's, a, a, it's a custom, so. custom developed solution, right? So, well, and yeah, and I'm sure they may not even be developing this for for a re, as a retail device. Yeah, you know, but but who knows? I mean, then then again, you know, somebody comes up with this idea, and then some company goes, "Ooh, that's a good idea. Let's do that." So you never know, but you know, it's always great when new new things are being developed in terms of. Uh, of accessibility it makes things more inclusive adaptive you know you know stuff like this just warms my heart adaptive products that nobody else has thought about hey steve why don't you tell the fine folks about canadian assistive technology 
Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is a Canadian-based distributor of, guess what, assistive technology. I would not have guessed that. Uh, really? Oh, i got to work something better into the name then. <laughs> um, and uh, we do uh, all kinds of low vision and blindness aids, as well as all kinds of physical access aids and uh, accessible furniture, you name it. Visit our website at www.canastech.com. Rick, let me ask you about this. Chaos Technical Services. Chaos Technical Services. Don't sound so excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Speaking of repairs. We are the sister company to Canas Tech. Um, We do the repairs on uh, low vision devices, uh, uh, reading machines uh, for libraries, braille printers, and pretty well anything in between. We can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. Joining us is Louise Gillis, President of the Canadian Council of the Blind. So Louise, joining me in the room today is Mr. Steve Barclay. Hello. Hello, Steve. And we have Rob Minot. Uh, hello, I'm the troublemaker apparently. Today, yep. <laughs> Most days. <laughs> That's right. We're just having some technical difficulties, so hopefully we'll get through the show without any issues. Oh, we're okay. Take it away, Rob. Uh, well, first of all, I mean, again, we'd like to thank you so much for uh, taking some time out to, to uh, talk to us. Um, why don't we start out and to talk a little bit about the, the CCB uh, itself? Well, the Canadian Council Off the Blind uh, was started in 1944 following World War II, basically because many people who were in war came home with uh, injuries uh, causing blindness. Not only the the uh, veterans, but many other people involved, such as in Halifax explosion and those types of things. So there were many blinded and there was a need there for people to really uh, get to uh, the proper care that they needed to be now that they were living a different life. So this was a support organization, began with 10 men in the Ontario, Toronto, London area. And they got uh, others working with them, and they began the organization, Canadian Council Off the Blind. And we say off the blind because we are governed by persons who are uh, blind or have uh, partial sight. And that's the, the president and the board of directors are all in one of those categories. So we're here to help people live a, a much more comfortable life and mandate right from the beginning and continuous to this day is to help persons with vision loss, introduce them into uh, society so that uh, they are able to work and enjoy socially life with the sighted folks in in the uh, country. So we do that, but also in the prevention of blindness. So those are our big things, helping people who are blind and to prevent others from becoming blind. So um, that's what we continue. We do that through social activities, uh, advocating for better uh, reading materials, better work ethics, and um, employers to hire people who have vision loss. Can you sort of give us an idea of some of the different uh, specific programs that that you guys um, carry out? 
Well, some of the main things are certainly a lot of uh, social programs in many areas, such as uh, bowling and curling and, and card games. But there's things, and those have been going on for many years. Uh, I've always been very active in that way, just getting people integrated in society through those types of things. But in the later years, more recent years, we've developed some new programs. And the one big one is Get Together with Technology, GTT. Right. Because everybody around is getting used to using uh, telephones of different ways. And now that we have smartphones, they are much more accessible for people with blindness issues so that they can be in contact with family, friends, and and do web searches and, and whatever they may like to do with that. It helps for employment. Uh, they're much more capable of going into the workforce and being able to adapt to that environment through accessible technology. Um, and it's peers helping peers so that we can, if somebody has an idea about a particular uh, mode of one of the new um, smartphones using a program on that, then we get in touch with somebody else who knows how to use it and they, they help one another in that way. Those are done in meetings across the country. There's quite a number of GTT chapters but also there's a national call-in number that, uh, that meets once a month. But we have people on staff, uh, such as Kim Kilpatrick, who runs, uh, works out of the office and, and runs many of these GTT sessions. Albert Ruel from Western Canada, mm -hmm. from BC, uh, Jerry Chevalier in um, Alberta, and uh, a gentleman in Nova Scotia as well, who does a lot of this. But there's many other smaller groups that just get together with other people in their little areas and, and work on some very interesting topics that help uh, many people. And as far as aging folks, as we know, uh, blindness knows no boundaries. And with some of the diseases that are now out there, like what macular degeneration, uh, many people, they're losing sight, so they need assistance on just continuing in what their life had been beforehand. Uh, so just to adapt and learning how to use those new technologies and new methods of, of doing things. Curling is a major program, and that's what's uh, going on next week with our White Cane event in Ottawa. And that goes on, starts on Monday morning at 9 o'clock. There's two games a day, uh, each day through till Friday, when this, the final game will be uh, over the radio, on AMI radio. So that will be fully described. People can hear it there. But there'll be interviews and different things like that that we will work with uh, through different newspapers and articles. Um, on a Wednesday night is a, a gala dinner where many of our sponsors are coming out to meet some folks who are blind and vision impaired and, and who have benefited from the proceeds that we have received in, in helping promote these programs to keep them running. Health and fitness is, a, is another program where we can do many types of uh, fitness from uh, chair exercises, just sitting at home to out tandem biking and hiking 
there's across Canada, there's dragon boating, uh, ice hockey, and just uh, several other different chapters that are running with uh, uh, just too numerous right at this moment for me to think sure. of them all. But you can contact our office and there's a program out there. We can find it for you. And if you think of something new, then by all means, just uh, give us a heads up and we can assist you to start a new program as well. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. And, you know, we're, we're, we're very familiar, of course, with the, with the get together um, with technology uh, events. Um, you know, uh, Albert Ruel and, and we've had, we've had Kim uh, on the show as well. Um, incredibly important programs, um, especially given um, how fast technology is changing and, and what that learning curve is for um, some of the people. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's incredibly valuable to, to have this program where they can get together with their peers and share tips and, and share their knowledge. Um, how long has that particular program um, been around? And is it, is it one of your sort of the most uh, well-attended or popular programs that you guys have right now? Yes, it is. It's been around for uh, about six years, I guess. We've talked about it for a number of years prior to that, but really got underway around six years ago and has been very active since that time. It's just uh, tremendous the, the number of people who have benefited from it. And it makes it so much easier with peers helping peers. And they're at different times of the day, you can call somebody and find out something. It doesn't have to be a nine to five type of program. It's any time of day, well, basically. We are a vast country with uh, time zones of sure. four and a half hour difference. So there's always somebody available someplace to, to give a, a bit of assistance to, to people. Well, and it's interesting too, because it's sort of, it, it providing two different um, things at the same time. You know, you've got the social aspect as well as, you know, the, the, uh, the training and the, the knowledge. So it's, it's sort of a couple things all wrapped up into, into one bundle. Um, the other thing that's, that's interesting too is, is that the emphasis on um, activity and, and sports, um, which again, you know, I think is, is something that's very valuable and that can be overlooked as, as being important to the community as well and, and giving people, you know, someplace to go and to, to keep active because that's such an important aspect of, of, uh, of mental health and just overall health in general. Yes, it is. It's, it's a very important thing because uh, once somebody um, loses their sight, kind of maybe not necessarily later in life, but even they're not born with vision loss, but acquire it one way or another through accidents or injuries or you know, some other medical condition that may cause it. So blindness can attack at any time. And for somebody to end up losing a lot of their sight or all of it, it's a very, very scary thing. And through these programs, they, these people can even get like a peer mentoring part through the uh, just the GTT or the exercise programs. Because when you're talking with somebody else who's a lived experience, you get the information from them of how they go about daily living activities, just going shopping or, or how do you 
go out and, and for younger folks, how do you meet people? How do you right. get a, a new friend or, you know, when it's not easy to make eye contact with somebody and those types of things. So it's, it's a variety of programs within a program, you might say, as, as you had said there, right. um, just to encourage people to get out and, and to live a, a more active life. And there really is life after blindness because many people, as you can see, have uh, acquired many skills. We have lots of people who are lawyers and, and have government positions, as we know, like our minister uh, with for disabilities right. is uh, vision impaired. So, you know, it's a, it's just a, a great way to get out and meet people and learn that you can do these things just as well as anybody else can. You just need to put your mindset to it. Now, I'm kind of curious because uh, obviously, you know, there there are other you know, national organizations. There's the, the CNIB. Uh, there's the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Um, do, do you guys sort of work together at all or does does one organization sort of look at what the other is doing and and try to sort of fill in the gaps of of the the gap in services that that each other provide or you guys just kind of operate as your as your own entity well we operate as our own entity but certainly work with each other in many different aspects of uh of life you might say the uh, one of the big things that we do do a lot of together is on on healthcare and uh, improving the quality of life that way. By when new drugs come into being or, or, and technology for eye care, we work together on approaching government to ensure that uh, the people in our in our country here are able to access those new drugs and technologies so that they too can get better care and hopefully will not lose their their uh, eyesight from that and that's why we say it's uh, blindness prevention so foundation fighting blindness does a lot of work with uh, gene therapy and right. we support them on whatever they're doing there wherever we can and uh, and working with cnib on many different things for uh, making sure we get our books and things to read through the Marrakesh Treaty, and that's one of the big things. And we work together with various other disability organizations to work towards an Accessible Canada Act, and, and that's been very, very active. And we've had a large part in that as well, like helping to um, work with uh, organizations or uh, agencies such as the... Um, Marine Atlantic and Via Rail on their accessibility advisory committees to make sure that the, their places of work and environment for passengers is uh, as accessible as possible. They ask us for information and, and how we can work there. So it's quite wide scoped that, yes, we work individually in, in many different ways, but uh, all three of these organizations do work together on different aspects. Um, while we're talking about the the Accessible Canada Act, um, I wouldn't mind mind picking your brain a little bit about it and to sort of get get your your feedback on some of the propositions in that and how you feel about it. I know that it's it's faced a little bit of backlash and criticism from some people in the community that they feel like it doesn't quite go far enough in terms of uh, enforcement. Um, how do you feel about it? 
Well, our our organization feels that it's a it's a, a great step forward. No, it's not perfect. There's nothing ever really perfect like that at this time, but it's a great start. And um, you know, we're lacking timelines in a lot of areas there too. So with those things, once uh, the act is passed and these different agencies uh, get their regulations out, then hopefully that we will be able to have further input and to make sure that this is moved forward so that we will have an accessible Canada. There's, the work is not complete by any means. There's a lot ahead of us and we it's our job as people living with disabilities, whatever it may be, that we work together to try and get the best possible act that we can through here. And with the recommendations coming up soon and the regulations, it's not the best, but it's it's far better than what we've had before. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm still shocked that, you know, it's taken this long for this to actually happen, for, for there to be a, you know, a National Accessibility Act. Um, you know, it's 2019. I mean, this honestly, it should have this should have been years ago. So, I, I mean, I would agree. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, um, working with the UNCRPD to make sure that we have all our rights and uh, that we are equal to everybody else who's living in this country, yep. that we have the same access to materials and, and uh, transportation and, and medica medications and health care and all those things are all involved there. So we really need to, to keep moving forward with it and keep active. On all this. Well, and the time is right too, because you know, given the given the aging uh, population, um, and the fact that you know we're we're going to see uh, a big influx of people who are suffering from things like macular degeneration. I think we're going to find that uh, a lot more people are entering that visually impaired category. Um, so it's really important that that this stuff is is in place and and prepared. Yes, it is very important, and that's uh, another thing. Just be because one is getting older doesn't necessarily mean that uh, they're supposed to go blind or deaf or whatever the case may be, because there are ways of preventing a lot of that, or at least at least easing the uh, amount of vision loss that person will have by getting the care that they, they need upfront and working with the organizations such as International Federation on Aging and the ICU campaign is a, a big way of, of helping people to realize that they need to go out, have their eyes examined, and uh, get the therapies that are needed to prevent that. Because a lot of uh, vision loss and, and conditions can be preventable if caught early enough. Right. Uh, like diabetics who are, are not adherent to their diets and those types of things another cataracts if they're not looked after early they, that can lead to blindness but it's the most one of the most corrected eye diseases that there is so just looking at that and making sure people do get the, the eye care they need and that's one of the things with the mobile eye clinic that we have that's going into seniors complexes and and bringing that access closer to them so that they can get the uh, examinations they need and whatever further treatment they may have. There's a lot of people who are becoming older 
may not necessarily have the transportation or the ability, mobility, to uh, to get out to uh, an eye physician's office because of uh, it's not accessible with wheelchairs or whatever they may have, or somebody is not well enough to get out of uh, bed to go, but yet they still have a lot of brain power that they would like to use and be able to read and, and do things just sitting in their uh, their home care beds or wherever. Through this mobile clinic area, That's we can help with that to make life a bit more acceptable to them. So, so it sounds like education, educating the public is, is a big part of, a big component of what you guys do as well. It is, and that's another part of, of White King Week. It's, and that's one week set aside in the year to really push education and awareness. But it's, uh, it's all year long. We don't stop just doing it on the one week. We try to get out into the public whenever we can, showing our abilities, not our disabilities, but educating people to ensure that they do have the best quality of life and to to make sure that they do not lose any any of their sight or any more of their sight when it's possible to prevent it. Well, that's you know that's a perfect segue. Let's let's talk a little bit about White Cane Week then, and uh, maybe give us an idea of some of the events and and some of the goings on uh, throughout the week. Well, well, hold on first. First, I have to take issue with the whole term White Cane Week. Don't yes. don't all canes matter? <laughs> We're an inclusive society now, aren't we? <laughs> we, we are. Inclusive. Oh. This is true. All canes matter, one way or another. Because I, yeah, it's true. We've seen we've seen you know neon pink yep. uh, canes yep. and you know green fluorescent the, green canes. That's right. We see many different colors, and it is up to the individual. Uh, the white cane is the one that was way back in the early years. Uh, again, blind veterans after the First World War developed uh, a cane. They had somebody was walking across the street with a black cane and nobody knew what was wrong or why because somebody walking with a cane has support so they don't fall over, Mm -hmm. but they can see. But somebody with a black cane, that's usually what they're using them for. With with a white cane, it's to indicate that that person has... uh, sight loss and the main reason for why we use celebrate white cane week is to show that we who use canes generally use white ones to show others to identify that we have a vision loss and i may run into you or i may struggle off into the street someplace so that's why it's uh White cane week. Well, you know, not, not to not to go off into the weeds too far, but uh, it is interesting that uh, you know previously we we've gotten to, into the uh, the business of selling canes uh, previously, and uh, there was a there was a company that that manufactured all different colored canes, and I remember specifically that there was a little bit of a pushback in some areas of the of the community in breaking from that tradition of a white cane like there there was definitely a a segment that was like well you know you don't, you don't want to use a different color cane because that's going to confuse people or that's going to somehow send a signal that this person isn't visually impaired um i don't it's it's sort of it's always interesting to me that uh 
people don't always necessarily like change. Well, and we're in Canada too. Like I've spoken to some people in the U.S. and there are some states that mandate if, if you are blind or visually impaired, you have to have a white cane with a red tip. Really? You have to have it. That's law. Yeah. Uh, and that's right in, in many places. A white cane is what it's been for so many years. Uh, but if somebody is using a cane of any sort and it helps them to to be mobile mm-hmm. for whatever the reason may be, but to get out and, and say, well, yes, I can find my way with a, a black cane or a green cane, whatever, as long as those who feel that way are getting out and enjoying life that way, then that's good for them. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it's uh, important that way. Uh, yes, many people do get confused because oftentimes even as I use my white cane, somebody will say, well, what does, what's that stick mean? Like they, a lot of people don't even realize what a white cane means, mm. let alone any other color. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've all been so ensconced in this community for so long that we forget that there's people out there who have no clue what that cane actually represents. Yep. So yeah, I can't imagine that. Like when you go to a hotel to check in and you're carrying a cane, are you parking your car with us tonight? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm not driving today. <laughs> Anyways, we got we got sidetracked off uh, uh, talking about uh, White we Cane Week and, and the event. Yeah, that happens a lot here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about some of the events that you've got going on. I know you mentioned curling. Yeah, well, this week, uh, the White Cane Week all begins on Saturday in particular this year, with the, the Experience Expo in Toronto. And that's a huge expo this year, uh, for the fourth year. It started four years ago with Ian White and his uh, visionaries chapter there, and they've done a wonderful job. It's grown so much. They've outgrown their spaces a couple of times. So uh, everybody can come down to the uh, Jewish Community Centre there. Uh, Don Mills and Laura... Uh, now, don't quote me on those streets because I can't remember right off the top of my head. I'm not that familiar with Toronto. So it's it's available if you have any questions on that. But anyway, uh, at that white, at that uh, expo, there's going to be approximately 50 different uh, booths set up with many different varieties of things, including uh, blind sailing, blind curling, blind uh, golf, and so many different sports relating to that, but also many uh, people who make products that are available for persons with vision loss or or other disabilities to be able to get out and look and see those. Uh, Chapters such as uh, uh, ones that do uh, more hobbies or or crafty type things to get into that type of uh, a chapter those will be available and and just learning what ccb is all about um, at the towards the end of that day around four o'clock there's going to be a forum where we'll be uh, talking with uh, people about technology and what it means to have technology in the the blind world and and uh, how it helps us in everyday life and schooling and in uh, work life or employment times so that will be an interesting time. Then on Sunday, we all head to Ottawa for um, curling for the full week, as I had mentioned earlier. 
but on uh, many of the other places across the country we'll be doing individual things uh, like flag raising bowling and inviting people from the community with uh, full sight to to bowl against people who are totally blind or partially sighted and uh, uh, booths set up in hospitals or shopping centers or other areas to show what we do have and how we've learned to live with with our limitations of, of sight. And uh, um, there'll be dinners. There'll be a gala dinner, as I mentioned earlier, too, on the Wednesday evening in Ottawa. Okay. And then Friday evening is the the awards banquet for the curling. So during all those times, I did mention that there'll be podcasts and, and uh, different prod, uh programs on air for some of the uh, accessible stations. So it, it's a, a great week and we encourage people to get out and find out what's going on in your community. And if you're not part of CCB, to get out and, and learn more about it and contact us. Our website is ccbnational.net. Uh, That's www.ccbnational.net. And there's many people there that can help you find out what's going on in some different areas. Sorry, Louise, do you have a list of events going on on the website across the country? There are some posted there. We have encouraged the chapters to send information in. Not a lot of them have. But uh, if you contact the office, then uh, somebody in the office can give you a, a name of a person to contact in the particular area you're interested in to find out what they are doing. So that would be the best way to do it is contact somebody in the office, Shelly or Becky, and they'll tell you who to get in touch with to find out where to go. Okay. Perfect. All right, Louise. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much for joining us and chatting with us about uh, CCB today. Okay. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a, It's been a great opportunity. I've enjoyed doing it, and anytime, I'll be available. And uh, best of luck with with White Cane Week. And wait, one more question. Now, do you are you a curler? Yes, I'm a curler. I'm skip for our uh, Nova Scotia team. Oh, really? Well, well, there you go. So, good luck with that. Hopefully, have you have 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 you guys won before? And bronze twice. So we almost got into the gold medal game a couple of times, but ended up with bronze. But we're quite pleased with that. Oh, this is your year. You're going. You're going for gold. We're going for gold. We're trying. <laughs> Great vibes. <laughs> All right. Well, best of luck, Louise. We we call it the AT banter bump. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. All right. Thanks, Louise. Right, take, take care. care. Okay. Okay. Bye now. Bye bye. Blind curling. Interesting. Yeah, I've I've tried curling sighted, and uh, <laughs> I don't imagine my game would improve any. I, that's what I was thinking. I was yeah. like, I pretty much think I could just close my eyes and just have a, a boat as good of a shot at doing just as well. It's a chat. It's a hard game. It is tough. It's that so, bowling, so I can't, precision. Bowling, so I can't precise. even. I can't bowl sighted. I can't imagine. <laughs> I, I can about fifty percent of the time. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I could I could do the bird box challenge while bowling. And I, think, <laughs> I don't feel like my score would be greatly impacted. Yeah, I was really disenfranchised because, you know, having sight growing up, you know, I bowled, I biked, I golfed, I did all that sort of stuff, and I was okay at it. 
And then when I lost my sight, you know, I, I had my first wife take me to the batting cages because I wanted to see if I could still do that. I didn't hit one ball. So then we went five pin bowling. You know, I don't think I got a strike. You know, we tried all the sports I was into and I was so pissed off, so frustrated. But, you know, you have to adapt, right? There's ways of doing these things as well um, if you're blind or not. So one day, one day I'll get active again. See, I'll serve you right for being a jock. Yeah. (laughs) I just got to get a tandem bike and get one of you guys to to pedal me up a hill. Uh, We've been talking about that for years. I know. Gotta do Wait, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's okay, the pedal me up the hill. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> kind of the stomach. Well, we don't live here. in a flat city, so there's hills everywhere, right? Mm. Uh, yep. Um, Look, if Rick Hansen can hike it up Thermal Drive, we can tandem bike it. Yeah, I like how he says we. <laughs> that should be in quotes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can just see us sitting on the back there eating Snickers. You know. <laughs> go, go. <laughs> Pedal harder. <laughs> what gear are you in? <laughs> One. Uh, so White Cane Week starts uh, Saturday, February 3rd. So uh, go out, see what's uh, happening in your local community, and, and go get involved. And if you happen to be in the uh, greater Vancouver area... Uh, Canadian Assistive Technology will be attending uh, the uh, White Cane Week uh, show at uh, Park Royal Shopping Centre in West Vancouver on uh, Monday the 4th. And uh, that's kicking off around, uh, what is it, 10 o'clock, I believe. So if you're around, come on by. Tell Steve, give Steve a hug. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I He's giving out free hugs. hugs. Yeah, free hugs. <laughs> Uh, look at Steve sneaking in that Can-Aztec plug. Uh, well done. Look at that. Well, well done. done. Well done, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm supporting. I'm supporting. <laughs> hey, Ryan. Rob. Steve. Steve. Where can people find us? Well, you know what? I think the guy in the corner is feeling a little left out, so let's ask Steve. Okay. Steve, where can people find us? I don't know. <laughs> at the Park Royal <laughs> on Monday, <laughs> February 4th <laughs> from 10 to 4 <laughs> well people can find us online at uh, www.atbanter.com I'm still doing the email so because that's what I've practiced over the last three years <laughs> well let's, let's see you do it uh, well they can also drop us a line if they so desire atbanterpodcast at gmail.com we've been getting some lovely emails and we have on. been yeah oh nice so much appreciated. Where else, Ryan? They can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I love, I love, you always leave that like you're not sure like if hanging. there's actually another one. You're just like Instagram <laughs> and, and Google Plus. Google else. Plus, that's right. We're still there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that anybody's paid any attention to it that's at right. all. <laughs> oh, poor Google. Poor yeah. Google Plus. <laughs> Although honestly, I kind of wish it had been a thing and killed Facebook. You think about it, with all the scandal that Facebook's going through mm-hmm. right now, why are they not bringing it back and just doubling down? Maybe. Or why has yeah. why has there been nothing else that's come up, you know, yeah. starting to take its Probably place? Probably because you know? people looked at Google Plus and went, "Well, if Google Google can do it, then yeah. you know, we're, what hope do we have to try to compete with Facebook?" So, uh, it's interesting. Well, who knows? Who knows? Maybe they are. Maybe they'll announce something at Google I.O. When, hey, when is Google I.O., Ryan? May 7th to 9th, I believe. 
Hmm. <clears throat> I'll be in me. Cancun. What? Yep. You're going to Cancun? My wife has taken me to Cancun for our honeymoon. Wow. What? what do you mean honeymoon? Or so for our honeymoon, for our anniversary. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what happened? They're getting remarried for the 15th time. <laughs> <laughs> our 25th anniversary. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's cool. Yeah, huh. never been. Is it a cruise, or are you just going? You're going to like a resort there. We're going to a resort. We're gonna sit on the beach and drink mai tais. Wow, nice. How long are you going for? Uh, seven days. Well, we'll be here holding down the fort. Wait, 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 wait. What? You're gonna miss the AT Banter third anniversary show. Uh oh. Well, we better record it early. <laughs> so, or we'll just call you. That's you right, from the beach. <laughs> hammered, hammered on a beach somewhere. Actually, that would be perfect. We could do Actually, that. Actually, yeah, we could just do that. Yeah. yeah, but Zoom on your phone. Even better. Yeah, can do. All Excellent. right. Good. Maybe we'll do something different this year. Maybe we'll do a, we'll try a live stream, Instagram stream or something. Or you could do a Facebook Live or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So You've been pushing audience. for a live show for a while. I have been. Yeah. You well, keep maybe we'll, it. Maybe. We'll see. We'll talk. Uh, anyways. We'll talk. Famous last words. No, it's not. Famous last words is, I've got this. <laughs> <laughs> Hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't look like it bites. <laughs> Just What's let me... the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> the shark is completely docile. Did you see that that footage of that guy, those divers like uh, swimming with, with that, that great, great white? white shark. I don't know where it was, but it's yeah, yeah one of the dumbest things, the largest I've ever one they've ever found or something. Yeah, and, yeah. Man, hmm. they're just lucky it wasn't hungry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was big too. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest ever seen. Yeah, twenty five feet long. Wow, I think it's that's like, like jaws size. Two tons of shark. Hmm. Yeah, not gonna catch me doing that. I like all my limbs where they are. Uh, All right, everybody. I think that's going to about do it for us this week. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.